Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Thursday night, February 23rd. Happy 20th birthday to my son Anthony. 20 years old, February 23rd. Um it's the SIG Podcast, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Also brought to you in part by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And um, brought to you in part by La Bitte TV, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitte TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitte TV, embrace your true nature uh if you'll allow me uh a, a pretty cool story uh right so i mentioned it's uh, my eldest 20th birthday today uh my youngest is going to turn 18 next week and uh so i remember because today the snow came down and it came down uh pretty hard um is my mic okay is my mic because uh everything seems like it's okay here uh, i'm not sure what's going on uh, let me just see. Let me just see. Hold on a second here. Sorry about that. I've been told that my mic is not at 100%. Okay. Is mic at 100% now? It probably will be. Yes. Can someone give me a thumbs up? Yes. Yes. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. It seems like it's a lot better now. Fantastic. Thank you, Sammy. Sammy back at Master Control is on top of everything. All right. So today the snow came down and it came down pretty hard and uh, there was a lot of slush on the roads and the driving conditions weren't all that great, okay? Uh, so it's funny because uh, 20 years ago, um, or just, you know, just over, it was Saturday, February 22nd, 2003. The Montreal Canadiens were hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs at the Bell Centre. And that night, there was a huge winter storm. And uh, my wife was due any day, and she started to have contractions. I had started in the business probably about five or six months before working in sports media, but I was about a month and a half on the job, uh, full-time status, hosting the afternoon drive. And um, and so uh, we're watching the game. My wife has contractions, and uh, she's a little bit nervous. She wants her to make her way to the hospital, and, and uh, you know, and uh, I'm kind of hoping that I can finish watching the game. It's the Canadians in the lease. It's on a Saturday night, right? It's hockey night in Canada. 
but um uh, it was uh, it was funny so i said to uh i said to my wife uh, here you go thank you my son brought me my bottle of water so i said to my wife i said um you know uh, let's wait after the game and stuff let's see how it goes and uh, my wife says uh, who would be crazy enough to be going to that game tonight who would be crazy enough and they go to commercial during the game and as they go to commercial uh her gyno uh our doctor dr robert kobe the camera zooms in right on him and he's there and he's a big montreal canadians fan who's a big montreal expos fan too he's a big sports fan in general and he was there so i said to my wife i said look uh even if you get yourself to the hospital i said doc's at the game so nothing is going to happen mind you as we all know life of a doctor um once the uh, the patient is uh is is close to giving birth uh if you're not there they paid you and you make your way to the hospital before it happens right anyway long story short i don't remember who won the game that i don't remember but i remember watching the game and then at the end of the game we called the hospital we told her we told them about her contractions they said she was still far apart and that she could probably come in the next day we said you know like there's a winter storm and we'd have more peace of mind if we would actually come in right away and they said okay you know what take your time come in there is a winter storm you're right about that so we drove we took our time to get there uh, it was like you know one of the longest drives of my life it was uh you know an 18 or 20 minute drive that took like 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever it was and uh, made our way there and uh, the next morning at uh, 9 24 a.m while doc and i were talking about the hockey game from the night before uh anthony came out so that's our story with uh with anthony and uh, you're probably wondering why i remember it was 9 24 because we put an ad in the montreal gazette newspaper which said um on february 23rd at 9 24 angie and tony shoot and they score 22 inches all intact with a no trade clause in his contract and that was it so thank you for making me uh, share that story with you and now i won't bore you any longer without further ado I'll bring in a couple of people who are going to join me tonight. Uh, one of them joining me for the very first time, as a matter of fact, but he's been on the sick podcast before, and that would be Matt Drake with Habs Eyes on the Prize. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Tony. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for doing it, as well as Charles Alexis Brisebois from Donny Coulis and a contributor on BPM Sports. Charles Alexis, what's going on? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Very, very good. A three-man roundtable. I think we're really going to have a lot of fun tonight. It's an off night for the Montreal Canadiens. They're going to visit the Flyers in Philadelphia tomorrow, and then they're going to be back at the Bell Centre on Saturday when they're going to host the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I told you yesterday, and I think I even told you the day before, that uh, we were planning, the SICK Podcast has listened to you and Agnello and Sammy listened to me as well because I'd been wanting to talk CF Montreal for a while. So uh, earlier today, we launched the SICK podcast, CF Montreal Talk. So it's the ninth podcast launched by the SICK Media Network. It's the second in Montreal. And so this one here is a Habs podcast. And uh, the one that we did earlier today is a CF Montreal podcast. They're on two different YouTube channels. You can watch both of them on YouTube. You can listen to them both via Spotify, Google, Apple, and other social media apps. And the difference being is this one goes live Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. And the one with CF Montreal for now 
is going to be a minimum of two times a week, two to three times a week, and it's going to be recorded, and then we upload it. So if you can give our Twitter handle a follow, it's SickPod, C-F-M-T-L, and of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel for the Sick Podcast, CF Montreal Talk. It's absolutely free. We got that out of the way. Once again, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Did you happen to see the injury report today in regards to Jeff Petrie? Shall Alexi, we'll start with you. To Jeff Petrie? No, I didn't uh, but part of the Jeff, Pardon me, the Jeff Petrie. Mike, what am I thinking? To Kirby Doc, pardon me. It's a long day. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that one I saw. It, it It's hard not to see that one, right? Because it's really, really, really special. And we already knew, of course, that the Habs are how do I say, famous uh, about <laughs> keeping their injuries uh, for themselves. Now, um, someone is sick and it becomes an injury. It's really, really, really weird the way it is dealt by the Montreal Canadiens because we just don't trust them anymore. And even when they're just releasing a news, we know yeah. something is going to happen. And today we talk about Kirby Doc. We can talk about Joel Edmondson when the Habs said, we release a news saying, uh, until the end of the week, we're going to release another news. We're Thursday. When are they going to release it? It's always something like that with the Habs. And I, I don't know what to say anymore because there yeah. is nothing new to report besides the fact that it's it's just laughable. I mean, I don't <laughs> So 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 I grabbed my phone, Matt, before we get to you so I can go to uh, the Canadian's Twitter handle and it leads me to NHL.com. <laughs> Forward Kirby Doc won't join the team on the road in Philadelphia. Doc was earlier diagnosed with a non-COVID-related illness that has sidelined him since February 16th. Through the course of further medical evaluation and testing, it was determined that the illness-like symptoms were related to a lower body injury. Say what? Yeah, I don't even know how that works. I, I don't know how that works. Uh, that that reads to me like they're holding him out um, precautionary-wise. I mean, they're not taking any chances with anybody at this point, which is probably smart. Um, this is basically a tank season, and nobody in the organization is ever going to say, well, we're holding somebody out because we'd probably maybe kind of prefer to lose. But it kind of feels like that's what they're doing. I mean, a lower body injury that's related to an illness. I'm, I'm no doctor, but that, that yeah. kind of sounds like code for we don't want to play him right now. And maybe he is feeling something. And if he is feeling something, it's absolutely smart for them to hold him out. I do wish they'd be a little bit more upfront about their injury reports. Uh, as Alexi mentioned, it's 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 always super tight-lipped from them. You never really know what a player is dealing with. Um, it, it's, it's extremely rare for them to actually come out and say exactly what it is. And in this case, it seems so convoluted that uh, it just reads to me like they're holding him out for precautionary reasons. And because, honestly, they don't want to go on the road and win a bunch of games right now. They, they prefer maybe to improve their draft position or their draft lottery position a little bit. No, seriously. So think about that. It was a, a non-COVID-related illness, right, which now has uh, it, it ends up being a lower body injury. So what what happened there exactly? He had a cold and now all of a sudden he's got hemorrhoids? Like, oh, what? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, it's it's I don't know. Maybe the maybe the nighttime cold medicine made him a little groggy, and he tripped on his steps and hurt his knee a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's a bruise. Who knows, right? Uh, like Alex said, they're so tight-lipped. Yeah, it's the first time I have Matt, uh, Matt on the sick podcast, and I like him already. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why, because he said something which is an opinion that I had even a year ago. One year ago, with the Canadians, like you know, 
near the bottom of the standings and at the bottom of the standings at one. Like, I was convinced that when players went down with an injury, they were taking their time to bring them back. And a lot of people said, mm-hmm. well, you know, now you're questioning the integrity of this and that and whatever. Listen, tell me I'm questioning this or that. Tell me whatever you want. But in a lost season, there's no reason to pick up points. And last year, I'm convinced, you know, and I could be wrong, by the way, but I have to give an opinion. That's just the way I am. I'm convinced they were taking their time with guys coming back with injury. And I'm convinced that they're doing the same thing this year. What's mind-boggling to me is that Cole Caulfield was playing through a shoulder injury, but that could be that Cole Caulfield and his agent absolutely insisted that he play because they thought he would still be good enough to play and he wouldn't harm it any further until he actually took himself out of the lineup because they're looking for a long-term contract. And if he was going to score 50 goals, well, then he was going to break the bank. But Shalalexi, like Matt said, it definitely looks like they're not rushing guys back into action. And you know what? If they're out with an injury, it's like, you know what? Stay out. I think you're right because you think uh, about last year and this year, the length of the injuries. Every time a guy is down, he's not down for a week or two. It's always six, eight, ten weeks. It's very, very, very long. And we're not talking, obviously, about the the, the, the long term, the Carey Price or the Paul Byron or the Shea Weber. But the, the guys are actually playing. It's always a very long injury. It's the case for the, the older guys. It's the case for, for, for the young guys, too. You, you think of a, a Kieran Gooley, it's, gonna be, it, it's a long time. Uh, Arbor Jacka, it's going to be a long time. All the first picks, Juraj Slavkowski, it's going to be a long time. Cole Caulfield, you talked about it. The season is over. Uh, there are a lot, a lot of examples that, that tends to show that, yeah, you know, you, they, they, they seem to want to, um, to have those guys on the sideline for a while, and they prefer to pick a guy on waivers rather than uh, having a, a veteran coming back. Uh, Habination says more Habs content, less CFL. Uh, I think we talked about CFL and the ownership situation probably for, I don't know, like 10 minutes total in the last, in this, ever since the beginning. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, Anthony, uh, who is it? Uh, Andy Zaff said, this sounds like a staff infection. Can it be? I don't have a lot of experience in this stuff, by the way. I don't. I've I don't... had a staph infection before, and it, it does like the the most common, one of the very common areas to get it is like in your shin. Um, but usually, a staph infection is when you're like, for example, if you if you wrestle or if you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or something like that, if you're rolling around on dirty mats with with other guys, and yeah, you, know, you can catch an infection like that. Uh, if Kirby Doc was already out due to an illness, I'm not so sure that he would have gotten a staph infection. But it's entirely possible. Again, not a doctor, so I'm not going to try to you know armchair doctor it from my office here. But uh, it it seems a little bit like a stretch to me. And uh, it, it sounds like something like in his last game, he looked perfectly fine. He didn't look like any like any worse for wear. It really sounds to me like they're holding him out because anybody anybody feels anything right now, you hold him out, right? You're not you're not trying to win games. They don't matter, right? So there's no reason to risk anybody. Um, could it be a staff infection? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you know, Charles Alexi, we talked about uh, Joel Edmondson, and I have his injury report right here, and I'll bring this one up as well. And uh, look. The Canadians have promised to be a lot more transparent uh, over the last couple of years, and there's been some instances where they have been. But defenseman Joel Edmondson's rehab is progressing well. The club will provide a further update at the end of the week. Like, is 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 rehab? Like, like can you? 
he's got a back injury, right? Like the whole world knows, you know, this is Montreal and everyone lives, dies and sleeps Montreal Canadians, right? You don't even have mm-hmm. to watch a game to know that Edmondson has had back problems since last year. And it's a back injury that's kept them out. Why? Well, like, why are you writing this for? Like, uh, you know, but they write this and then they say, well, you know what? We want to be more transparent. Look, I love this no, new organization uh, that has been like over a year old now. But I mean, come on, man. Like, just I understand you want to protect players. I get that, too. But I mean, everyone, you know, everyone knows. The other thing is, don't, like, don't yeah. say that you're going to provide an update and then not provide it. Right. They did that with Monaghan, mm-hmm. I think, twice where they said they were going to provide an update and then they don't. Yep. So, like, if you're no, going to say no, that with Edmondson, at Matt, least give us the update. No mention of Monaghan in this injury report today. None. It's yeah, like the guy none. Doesn't, it says he doesn't even <laughs> play for this team anymore. Yep. <laughs> And let's talk about the Joel Edmondson thing because uh, almost a month ago he left the game, and then we learned that it was uh, bottom bottom half of, of the body. Uh, and then the next day we thought, oh, okay, now it's upper body. So that changed during the night. So there's another s- switch in the injury. And then for almost a month he is day to day, not week to week, not on injury <laughs> list, day to day. That's a lot of days, Tony. And I'm wondering if we were after March 3rd, would he be on the injury report? Probably because right now I think they're they're just scared to put him there because they don't want to to afraid some GMs in case there is something somewhere who wants to, to take a look at Joel Edmondson because you cannot be day-to-day for almost 26 or 27 or 28 yeah. days. It's impossible the way they, they deal with that. And, you know, you talked about being transparent, one example that comes to mind. The the reason, Tony, why they, they don't want to uh, to say what the injuries are, it's because when they come back on the ice, they could be targeted. Um, of course, we know why player, yes. We know why Cole Caulfield was uh, sidelined. It's because of his shoulder. And when he was about to 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 get under the knife, the, they asked him, uh, what exactly is the shoulder injury? And he said, I can't say. Why can't you say don't the, the other players they, they know they're gonna target your shoulder if they have to whatever is the, the technical name of the operation, they don't care on the ice. But why can't you just say it? That's another example that you can add to all of that that drama that comes in Montreal when it's come to, to injuries. It's crazy. Yeah, here's um Richard um Weebe, I believe. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Chances are I'm not, and I apologize <laughs> for that. Who says via YouTube Live that uh, what if Kirby Doc is being pulled for a possible trade? Look, folks, I'm not gonna discount anything because I mean no player is untouchable, but I mean, come on, that's not the case, guys. That's like what would no, you bet on that? Like, what would I wouldn't even I, bet a dollar on that. No, me neither. No. Right? Uh, I mean, every player can be traded, but it's not in the line of what the, the Habs are trying to do. I, I don't see what team would want to acquire him right now. Um, why he would be that preferred option for a, a, a Stanley Cup team. I don't think it, it is really possible. I'm not saying he's going to finish his career in Montreal, but right now I'm pretty sure he's going to finish the year. I think he's shown enough that he could potentially be like your, your number two center moving forward, depending on what happens with the next draft. Right. I don't think that the Habs are going to part ways with him unless they get a King's ransom. And if that was the case, I, I find it hard to believe that there'd be no whispers about it. Cause we haven't even seen a rumor that anybody's been interested in trying to acquire him. So I don't see the Montreal Canadians going out there and fishing for a trade for Kirby doc while they're holding him out. Is, is it possible? Sure. But I, I think it's, 
it's pretty unlikely that they're trying to trade him, given what he's done so far this season. I think they're looking at that trade that they made back at the draft, and they're saying, yeah, we did good on that one. So I think they're probably looking to hold on to him and see how that pans out moving forward into next year and beyond. So speaking of YouTube Live, Habination says, I trade Doc, it's a rebuild, and that wasn't a joke. Come on, folks. Just for this reason that it is a rebuild, you don't trade Kirby Doc. He's 22 he's years old. Hey, he's 22 <laughs> years old. He's in his fourth season in the National Hockey League. He turned 22 a month and two days ago. Uh, the fact that you're in a rebuild and you have Kirby Doc under contract for the next four years, under $3.5 million, four years in the National Hockey League, uh, come on, man. That's one of the last players I trade on this team. He's 22 years old. And Matt just mm-hmm. talked about the fact that he could be a second-line center. Who knows? He could probably end up being a first-line centerman on this team if he Entirely reaches possible. the potential that was seen in him when he was drafted third overall. Shall Alexi? Yeah, it's way too early. We're not the Blackhawks. We're not going to trade a guy like Kirby Duck right now. Um, <laughs> we, we don't know what his potential is yet. And you just said it. Maybe he's going to be the first centerman. Maybe he's going to be the second centerman. Um, maybe he can play wing if a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois comes in. There are a lot of possibilities. And it's really too early to to, to statuate until the uh, until he develops correctly. So let's let's take advantage of the fact that he's right now in Montreal. He can develop in, a, in an environment with absolutely no pressure, and let's see where it goes, and let's not trade him. Yeah, Ghislaine Laframboise says, remember Wayne Gretzky got traded. We remember Ghislaine, but you have to remember a couple of things. Wayne Gretzky had already won several Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, number one. Number two, the Edmonton Oilers were in a lot of financial trouble back then with Peter Pocklington and everything that was going on. Number three, Los Angeles really wanted to add a star, and they wanted Gretzky badly. And number four, if we recall at the time, he was dating Janet, and Janet was from Los Angeles, so it would have been really cool. Uh, the Kings, you know, they wanted to make a splash, right? They wanted to make a huge splash. And the Edmonton Orders got a lot in return, as a matter of fact. They ended up winning a Stanley Cup after they traded Wayne Gretzky. But the, the situations are entirely different. Folks, the Canadians are in a rebuild. Kirby Doc is an ideal player for this rebuild. Doesn't matter how many players on the Canadians roster are more ideal for a rebuild over the next three years, more so than Kirby Doc. Think about it. He's probably he's probably the most ideal player on the entire team. Okay, because Nick Suzuki is under contract at seven point eight seven five million dollars or whatever it is. Cole Caulfield's going to sign a long term contract where you think you would get at least that match that much money. Okay, so now take a look at the other young players. Yeah, there's there's good ones. There's Caden Gooley for sure. There's Slavkowski, but you know Kirby Doc once again, twenty two years old, fourth year in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, having a really really good season. He's probably the most ideal player to have uh, during a rebuild. There was news today that shocked me. And it came courtesy of a collaborator on this show, who's usually a collaborator every Thursday, which is George Lorac. But George couldn't join me today because he's on a plane right now. So he joined me two days ago. But earlier today at BPM Sports... 91.9 on your FM dial, Montreal's number one all-sports radio station in Quebec. George Larac 
said that he has it on good information that the Montreal Canadiens are going to trade Michael Matheson between now and next Friday's trade deadline. I almost fell off my chair, and I wasn't even sitting. Like, I don't even know if that makes sense, but what I'm trying to say is that comment shocked me like I can't believe, and I love George. And George, if you're right, I'm going to issue the biggest apology known to man. But I am willing, George, if you're listening right now on that plane and you got Wi-Fi, or if you arrived at destination probably by now, I am willing to bet George anything, anything, that the Montreal Canadiens do not trade Michael Matheson before next week's trading deadline. I'll bet him anything. Shall Alexi? Anything. I think you have your... You're, you have your right guy for a bet because you know that George Larac is going to take on it. <laughs> but seriously, um, you know, Mike Madison was was acquired to, to bring a, a veteran presence on that blue line. And I know that you, you have to trade some of them, but I do not think that Madison is the solution. He is 28 years old. He is kind of young for, for an NHL player. Obviously, he's a, a little bit older um, in Montreal, but we need that here. We he has a, an affordable contract. It's not the the, uh, the the smallest in the NHL, of course, but it's it's a good one to have here. He's not a um, you know. I, I think that Kent Hughes uh, really wanted to have him. He was his former agent. He's really happy to be here. He fits in the NHL in the NHL team that Hughes wants. You know, he's talented and he's fast. That's and, the kind and, of and that, that, that Marty wants. and that Marty Saint Louis wants, and he's from here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That he is a Quebecois. He grew up here. His family is here. His wife is happy here. I, I don't know why you want to trade a guy like Mike, Mike Madison. You have other options to trade, so I'm not sure I would go with Madison. I don't know what George has been doing with that pillow. I don't know what he's been doing with that pillow. Matt probably has no idea what I'm talking about because Matt probably hasn't seen George on the podcast. In the last little while, but George usually shows up with a pillow. He usually lies. I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually lies on a bed or on a sofa holding onto that pillow. I don't know what he's done with that pillow, but it, once again, George, if you're listening, I will bet you anything. Anything. Is that clear? Anything. Like if George would say, Uh, I'll bet you Matheson's uh, going to get traded between now and Friday, and I would say no. And I would say, um, George, uh, I want you to get me a Connor McDavid rookie card or a Connor McDavid jersey autographed. And I would say, you know, you on your end, whatever you want. And he would say, Tony, I want you to go outside in the winter, just you and your pillow and run, you know, around five streets of Villa Sal. I would do it. I'm that convinced that Michael Matheson will not get traded. Yeah. Let me play devil's, let me play devil's advocate here for a second though. Right. Cause oh, I agree oh, with you guys. I don't think, I don't think Mike Matheson is somebody that they're trying to trade, and I don't think necessarily he's somebody that they should trade. However, if they got the right offer, 
right? If some team came along and threw a King's ransom at them, I think they've got the flexibility at this point to do it. Justin Barron has improved leaps and bounds throughout the course of this season. You know, Caden Gooley's a number one defender. You absolutely know that he can play on your top pair. Arbor Jacki, one of the greatest, you know, underdog stories that the Habs have had in a long time coming from an undrafted guy that was working at Costco and making his way to the NHL. Johnny Kovacevic has shown that he can eat NHL minutes. And you have other young defensemen coming up as well. Adam Engstrom, I have it on very good authority. He's doing extremely well in Sweden right now. I haven't watched him very much myself, but my colleague Pat Bexel has watched him a lot, and he's doing very well. Logan Mayu is tearing it up in the OHL. You've got young defensemen coming up, and at some point, you're going to run out of space for some of these veteran guys. And I wonder, you know, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I wonder if a team approached Kent Hughes with the right offer where they said, listen, multiple picks and a prospect. Is he going to pull the trigger on it? I think that's the question that we need to ask. Are they looking to trade him? I absolutely don't think that they are. I don't think that he was shopping him whatsoever. I do not think they're going to shop a mobile defenseman who skates well and who is from the Montreal area. However, if somebody called with that offer, I think Ken Hughes is picking up the phone. Well, he's always going to, he's always going to pick up the phone, but I, I, I just, I hear you. And the reasoning is good. They have depth on left side of defense that's unreal. But, you know, a lot of those players that you talked about, some of them are young. Others are not in the league yet. So they're not proven in the league. They're going to need to play with somebody. And out of all the veterans on defense on this team, and think about them, who are they? Michael Matheson, Joel Edmondson, Chris Weidman, David Savard. Those are the four veterans on defense, correct? Yeah, that's Who's it. Who's the one that you would keep more than anybody? Oh, definitely Matheson. If, if I have my pick, I'm picking Matheson over all those guys but, for but, sure. But your argument is that out of the four of them, the one that brings you the most return is Michael Matheson, and I get that too. Yeah. But if I'm going to go forward with a lot of young defensemen and I want to bring them along and I want to groom them, I'm going to choose the best one to mentor them and not the worst. Shalexi? Madison is playing like 27 minutes per game right now, and, and <laughs> you know that they need him. And my concern about trading a guy like him mid-season, you know that the, the the salary cap is really, really important right now. And I don't know how a team can acquire a $5.8 million guy for uh, the next three years also right now at the trade deadline. And even if like one team or two teams can, I'm not sure Kent, Kent Hughes can create a bidding war big enough to say, you know what, I have I, I have absolutely the feeling that this is going to be the best prize that I'm going to have, so I'm pulling the trigger right now. If he has to be traded and it's really hypothetical, I think it's like a Josh Anderson case. It has to be during the summer when the, the teams uh, have a little bit more cap and they can create that bidding war where they say, okay, now I'm comfortable with the prize that I'm getting. That being said, you know, it just takes one team to make that offer, but I'm not sure. I'm not convinced it's going to happen during the next eight days. Vitaly Krasov kept out of the lineup for roster management. Guys, he's a former draft pick of Jeff Gorton with the New York Rangers, who was drafted in the first round, ninth overall several years ago, with Krasov clearly on the block. If Gorton was interested before... Matt Drake, is he interested again? I mean, I, I think he's interested. Uh, I definitely don't see him giving up 
too much in terms of like certainly not any draft capital if that's what new york is looking for um if they're looking for maybe a roster player he might be interested but they might also have to sauce a you know a pick over the habs way as well i think ken hughes is clearly made a focus on trying to build through the draft i don't see him necessarily just going after players that he has drafted before but i think he'd be interested um if if new york's willing to also maybe part ways with a pick and uh, maybe they can acquire one of those veteran defenders that's not mike matheson Shalexi. I'm just not sure how it would fit right now because the the the, the Rangers, the, the maybe they try to to acquire Patrick Kane, but why do they send um, a guy like Kratsov who, who has he doesn't have the biggest value, but he has some? Why do they send him to 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 Montreal right now? Um, I, I don't think there is a fit the, to to trade between the 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 Habs and the Rangers right now if it's not a treat team's trade and i don't know if it's gonna include kratsov in montreal so uh i don't see it happening right now and maybe they want to concentrate on on those draft picks all right uh here's uh, nick vela says people are saying that Connor bedard is too small what in the world to dominate in the national <laughs> hockey league can you teach stupid hey you know a lot of people are always going to bet against small players that's just the way it is um but um you know I'm I'm not going to bet against Connor Bedard. I'm going to bet on Connor Bedard. Uh, my eyes uh, saw what they saw at the World Juniors. Uh, my eyes see what they see in the WHL. My eyes see what they see when you see how hard this kid works. And just my ears, you know, he's just he's programmed to be great, and so he's going to be great. That's just the way I see it. There's nothing wrong with that with that kid, and you you see it on the ice, you see it everywhere, you see it off the ice also. I don't know if you read the the Nicolas Cloutier's paper on TVA Sport about his family. You see that he, yep. he he is grounded, he has good roots. There there's nothing wrong with him, and it, there there is no debate. I don't know why there's a debate, Tony, because he's he's gonna be a future star in the NHL, and if you're number one, you just take it. If you watch him play, he's actually extremely physical, despite the size issue. That's it's not it's a non-issue, but people want to make it an issue. I've seen people tweet out, "Oh, he's a five-seven winger. He's not a first overall draft pick." I mean, sure, if that's the way that you want to look at it, the way you should be looking at it is he's a generational talent who can play all three positions up front. He can do pretty much whatever he wants on the ice whenever he wants to, and he has one of the sickest releases. That I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, I, if anybody's worried about his size, they need to seriously consider firing their entire scouting staff and hire entirely new staff to make sure that you don't uh, overlook a player due to them being slightly shorter than six feet tall. All right. Uh, without talking about the trade deadline, which is next Friday, what's the number one thing when you think of the Canadians right now that is something that you're going to look out for, that is something you're going to watch out for, that is something that you're interested in. Matt, we'll start with you. I'm interested in goaltending. I think goaltending, you know, ever since we figured out that Carey Price is probably never going to play again, I think it's a question mark. Samuel Montembeau has shown a lot this season. Um, probably. He's been... <laughs> More than probably, we'll, we'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. It's... It's definitely an issue, and we have no idea who it is that, that could be the next starter. I mean, it could be Samuel Montembeau. Let's... Put it, let's be honest, he's had a very good season so far. He's been very consistent. It's been probably the best season of his career so far. I don't think it's Jake Allen. Jake Allen's starting to age out. I think he's going to be on the move maybe in the offseason to another team. Um, and they've got a couple of young goaltenders as well. Caden Primo, um, 
I guess he's still a bit of a question mark. He had a really good playoff for Laval, but we're still not entirely sure what he is. Can he be a number one goaltender in the NHL? You have uh, Jakob Dobish in the NCAA who's doing very well. Um, he's a potential uh, guy that could maybe come up and eventually be a starter. Um, there, there's just a lot of question marks, right? Uh, Frederick Dichau as well, playing over in Europe. But there's, there's still question marks. We don't know what these guys can do in the NHL. And I think the Habs at this deadline might try to target somebody's goaltending prospects on a team that's looking to make a run in the playoffs and obviously doesn't have a need for that goaltending prospect that they're not using right now. I think they're going to try to beef up that position. I'd be surprised if they don't acquire at least one already drafted goaltending prospect uh, through the course of this deadline. Shaw Lexi, what's your answer to the question? the the center line because you know we we talk about nick suzuki not having necessarily the the, the best season since sean monahan is out and for me it speaks for itself because if you tell me if you name me a, a good nhl team i will name you a good center line and you need to have your first sentiment protected so the way Nick Suzuki is playing right now shows that, yes, he needs to improve, of course, because it's on him, but he also needs to have that protection. So is it going to come uh, from Kirby Doc? Is it going to come from Pierre-Luc Dubois? Is it going to come from uh, the first round pick that's going to be drafted in a few months? Is it going to come from another player? I don't know, but you need to, to have that stabilized before thinking to, to the wings. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at how they're going to um, develop Nick Suzuki in that center line. Uh, Maxim Contois, Renault Lavois says that you can probably see him, uh, you'll probably see him change address sometime soon, which would mean between now and next Friday. Uh, seeing as uh, Maxim Contois is Anga de Chenou, uh, everyone's asking the question already should the Montreal Canadiens go after Maxim Contois? Maxim Contois, who is from Longueuil. And uh, and uh, was drafted in the second round, 50th overall by the Anaheim Ducks, who has uh, played uh, now, what is it, uh, over four seasons in the National Hockey League. Is six foot two, 210 pounds, 215 maybe, 24 years old. Matt? Um, I'm giving a no on that one. Uh, nothing against Maxime Contois as a player, but... Uh, we've seen what happens when the Habs try to over-pursue uh, les good chez nous, uh, comme on dit. It, it never seems to end super well for them. I think um, uh, they might want to avoid that one. I, I don't see how he fits within the context of the rebuild right now. Um, and I, I don't see the the point in, in trying to make a play over to Anaheim to try and bring him over. Charles Lexi? I mean, if the price is good, yes, but I'm not sure the, the Ducks are going to let him for absolutely nothing or close to nothing. So I'm not sure they will find the price uh, to, to, to meet for the Ducks. And if the, 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 the fit could be somewhere else on the roster, for example, a goaltender, a center lineman or a right uh, shot defenseman, I think maybe you should prioritize that to um, a, a winger like Maxime Contois. But if the price is good, maybe you can take a guess. Uh, Contois, uh, of course, um, was um, the world junior captain, right? Was he not, not back sure in 2000? Was... And uh, I, I'm not sure if he I was believe he was the captain, or was he? Yeah, he was the world he junior captain, captain. That was the one where he missed. He missed the penalty shot, and he took all that abuse on Twitter. Yeah, right? he took all that remember. abuse. He took all that abuse yeah. on Twitter. Uh, that's one thing. But wasn't that the year of the? Um, uh, am I missing something here? Was was he not over the uh, the scandal of uh, with the World Juniors? 
Yeah, it was the allegations. That was the same year. I don't think he was involved, as far as I know. I don't think he was involved, but that was the same year. It was 2018. 2019, I guess it was that 2018, 19, 19, 19 season. Correct. Yeah. 18, 19. Well, he de- he denied any uh, any involvement. In it. At one point, he had come out with a release saying that he was made aware of the allegations of sexual abuse against uh, some of his uh, uh, former teammates, but he denied playing a role in it. Right. I think they I don't recall seeing a statement from him. Charles Lexi. I think they all denied at some point, so uh, I don't know which one I I need to believe right now, but officially probably denied. Yeah, um, here we go. He uh, he put out a tweet July 20th. I just Googled it. It's coming up. Let me see if I... I'm aware of the allegations of sexual abuse made against some of my former teammates on the Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. The allegations are deeply troubling, and I'm cooperating with investigators to help as much as I can. Uh, I was not involved in any way with the alleged abuse. And as far as I know, no one has ever suggested otherwise. Out of respect for the investigation, I do not intend to offer further public comment. Um, the reason I remember this now, I remember it because, you know, that that whole as far as I know, there were a lot of lawyers who said that that was, you know, uh, pretty appropriate to to be in there because, should anything ever been be proven otherwise you just said well as far as you know i i'm not so sure so but anyway he, he denies it and uh, hopefully he wasn't a part of it because uh um you know this is it's not good obviously it's not good and if you go out and you acquire a play like that and then a story like that happens to come out at one point but listen he denied uh he denied any wrongdoing in that and uh and uh hopefully um Hopefully he wasn't part of it. Okay, so you both said no to Maxim Contois? Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I understand the whole pressure on guys from here. And uh, if there's a lot of it, you know, it's not going to help them. And it's it's, it's actually going to be counterproductive. It won't work out. But how much pressure would there be on a Maxim Contois? Like, what would be his role on the Montreal Canadiens if they would go after a guy like that? I don't think he would have a ton of pressure. I mean, as uh, Shala Lexi mentioned, they're reasonably covered at the wing right now. But <clears throat> we've seen this before with other players. You know, they can come in with virtually no pressure. And if they start to perform well, then the expectations go up. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. A, no problem at so, all. He's RFA. You know, he had, uh, he had $2 million on his last contract. Uh, what would he have on his next contract? Uh, you know, he's not, uh, he's, it's not like he's, uh, he's got incredible numbers, uh, five goals, five assists, 10 points in 45 games. You know, he's, he's a fourth liner guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know exactly if we, if we need that. That being said, you just know that if he is traded somewhere, he's traded to Philadelphia or whatever the team, and he explodes everywhere in Montreal, we're going to hear, why didn't the Montreal Canadiens try to acquire a Quebecois who's good at somewhere else? So there, there's always that, that debate, and you need to have that question because, of course, he grew up here. He played in Victoriaville and in Drummondville. Uh, you need to have that question, but if the fit is not there, I mean, you cannot acquire every Quebecois who's available. So there's, there's a discussion to have, but I'm not sure the fit is there. All right. Everyone knows the Canadians are depleted. Everyone knows that uh, Laval has sent a lot of players here. 
Is that the best way to explain the Canadians picking up Chris Turney earlier today off of waivers? Matt? Yeah, I mean, they were trying out uh, Jonathan Drouin at center again. So I think they absolutely knew that they were lacking at the center position. And they saw an opportunity to pick up a center who has NHL experience, and they went for it. I mean, Jonathan Drouin cannot play center. We've, we've seen that experiment before. It's gone well in short spurts, but it's not something that they can rely on regularly. And with the lack of bodies right now, they just had to go out and pick up somebody who can play center for them. So it, it makes sense. Uh, does it help the team win games? I, I don't think so, but uh, it makes a lot of sense to do. He was a pretty decent player a couple of years ago with the Ottawa Senators. Probably had a career yeah. year, but, um, you know, just it was all downhill from there. <clears throat> It was downhill, and you know when when you you're in the position of the Montreal Canadiens, you're just asking where's the risk. His contract is very small; it expires at the end of the season, and you clearly see that it is to 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 just remplir un chandail. So they just want someone to to fill in because there are a lot of injuries right now. And Tony, if you remember at the beginning of the season, there were if I exclude Paul Byron, there were 15 guys on that team, and we said they're never gonna call someone from the AHL. And as you know, Alex Belzil is here. Raphael Hervé-Pinard is here. Yassi Lenin is here. There are a lot of guys. A guy yeah. like Michael Pezzetta was not playing at the beginning of the season. Now he's playing every day. So the, injur- <clears throat> the injuries can change a lot of things right now. And the Chris uh, Turney thing is just another example. We need to, to have a guy to, to fill in a jersey. That's Playground, over 600 machines, poker tournaments, playground, casino games, daily promotions, unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is playground. All right. You know, we just talked about the Canadians. We're going to get back to Chris Tierney in just a minute here. But uh, speaking of waiver pickups, a couple of months ago, Eli Tolvanen, formerly of the Nashville Predators, a first-round pick, 30th overall who had shown some promise but then struggled with consistency. He's got a really good shot, guys. A great one-timer on the power play. Here's a guy who can probably play either wing. And here's a guy who's got an ability to score goals. It just wasn't happening with Nashville. But early on in his career, at age, what, 23 or 24, whatever it is, they put him on waivers. The Canadians had a crack at him, and they passed. And... He got picked up by the Seattle Kraken. I think he's been a great pickup for the Kraken. He's uh, tailed off a little bit lately, but I don't understand when when um, this is one that I don't understand. Uh, we all know they're rebuilding, but one of the things they said that they were looking for in the rebuild is they were looking for prospects that were a couple of years into the National Hockey League so that it could accelerate their rebuild. They had a chance to get one for free. Clearly, they didn't because they were not a fan, and that's okay. I just don't get how they just didn't think it was worth the risk because what was the risk? Am I missing something here? No, that that was a whiff. That was a whiff by the Habs for sure. Um, I, I think they had an opportunity there, and they passed it up. I have no idea why they passed it up. Maybe the games that they saw specifically that their scouting staff or that Kent Hughes was looking at um, that, that when he was playing in Nashville, maybe they saw some games where he just played really poorly and they said, ah, you know, we're going to let this one be. Um, I, I think it warrants maybe a, a revision of, of how they're looking at some of these players that are already in the NHL, how far back they're going and, you know, what kind of qualities they're looking for in players because they clearly missed the mark on that one. I think he's got, I don't know, 14 or 15 points already um, with the 
Kraken in like 20 some odd games. So clearly there was a better player than the Nashville players realized that they had. And if the Habs had been able to pick up on that, like uh, the Kraken did, it could have been, like you said, something that jumpstarts that accelerates the rebuild a little bit. I guess if they, if it's not a question of I don't like the player or I don't like the person, I th I have a theory, but I hope I'm wrong. Maybe if you remember, like I said at the, at the beginning of the season, there were a lot of guys, and we were talking about should we send Yuri Slavkovsky down because we need to have a place when uh, when mm. the injuries are mm -hmm. back. I don't remember exactly which guys because it's been a few months, but maybe th there's a question of there was no room for him. If it is the reason, though, it's not a good reason because. The when you rebuild, the young players should have the priority. You need to to find ways to to add them to your roster. So if that's the reason, that's a bad call. But again, maybe there is a thing like Matt said that maybe they just didn't like the game that they saw when they, when they scouted him. There, there may be some of that reason. But clearly, you you see what the what he's doing in Seattle right now, and there are more teams than just the Montreal Canadiens who are saying, "Oh no, we missed that." Hey, four points for Connor McDavid tonight in an Oilers 7-2 win in Pittsburgh as McDavid's Oilers just dismantle Crosby's Penguins tonight. Uh, it looks like it's all downhill for the Penguins, eh? But we say that every year, and it, it <laughs> maybe maybe this is really the year. I'm gonna really say it the year that they are completely down because I'm I, I don't want to to take uh, against uh, Sidney Crosby, but you know that year it doesn't look really really promising. They're really good. Jeff Petrie is not the player that they they hoped he could be, but you know there are, they had a few injuries in Pittsburgh. But no, it's not a it's not a great year. Let's say the Penguins have lost uh, four in a row. The Capitals lost tonight. They've now lost six in a row. I had, I knew the Capitals had lost five in a row when they took on the Ducks tonight, but I think the Ducks were playing their third game in four nights. They, too, are depleted with injuries, all three of them on the road. So I thought, you know what, if there was one that Washington was going to win, it was this one. Boy, was I wrong. But, you know, I have an opinion on something. The Bruins are truly a remarkable team because the Bruins, they won a Stanley Cup and they went to two other Cup Finals. And since 2011, 12 years later, the Boston Bruins are still a very competitive team with a very realistic and solid chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, they're the best team in hockey right now, the Boston Bruins. It's remarkable they've been able to be on top after being so good since 2011. But folks, teams like the Blackhawks, teams like the Penguins, teams like the Capitals, when you go through a rebuild and you win the Stanley Cup or a couple of Stanley Cups, at one point, it's just not sustainable that you continue, like you have a window. And that window closes at one point after you've won it. It's just you you did your run and probably about 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years later, you have no other choice. You have to rebuild again. And the, the Penguins... They probably figured, you know what, as long as we have Crosby and as long as we have Malkin, we should go for it. But if they miss the playoffs this year, it's a really, really bad decision by them because, you know, bringing back Christopher Latang guys, for where the Penguins are, good player, but I wouldn't have done it. For six years. it's uh, I understand why... <laughs> 
I understand. I don't really understand. I mean, I understand the logic because they, they wanted the, their average to be lower. But six years for Christopher Letan, who, who has an history uh, of injuries. I mean, I, I really love the player, but it was really a weird contract when we saw it. And that year, he, he had uh, all sorts of difficulties to, to stay on the ice. If they, they have to, to keep that contract and they have the Evgeny Malkin contract and they have to, to address the Sidney Crosby one and they have a few other ones, it's going to be really, really hard because who's going to take all those players? Matt? Yeah. They've had what? They've had generational talent on their team for the better part of 30 years. They had Mario Lemire, they had Yermir Yager, and then, you know, by the time Mario Lemire was done playing, as a matter of fact, he played a season with Crosby as well, and then they had Malkin as well. So they've just had an embarrassment of riches in terms of generational talent. And I think the reason why they signed that weird contract with Christopher Letin is because they're not ready to accept going into that rebuild. And they thought, well, we could still get more mileage out of Crosby. We could still get more mileage out of Malkin. So why don't we try to get more out of Latin as well? And I think you're seeing now that, you know, maybe that was the wrong decision in retrospect. I think they're almost falling into the same trap that the Montreal Canadiens were in for such a long time, where they just didn't want to commit to the rebuild and trade away their big pieces. And as a result, they're kind of stagnated. And now they've saddled themselves with a contract that's going to be pretty tough to get rid of. Um, who knows uh, the deadlines next week, I guess we'll see if maybe he's on the move and he ends up somewhere else, but I think that's going to be an albatross of a contract to move. And I agree with you, Tony, I wouldn't have done that one. Um, I, I think it's going to set them back a little bit and they really should have been looking at what can we do to maybe do a quick reset at least to give Crosby somebody to play with in the twilight of his career, uh, instead of having to send him off somewhere else. So who knows, maybe Crosby's on the move in a couple of years. That'd be something. Uh, Alexia, I have a question for you. Ready? Do the Canadians have a player that skates faster than Connor McDavid? <laughs> I'm going to say no, but maybe you have uh, an example. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at the NHL Twitter account, uh, there's a tweet that says these guys can really fly. Any surprises for you on this list? NHL oh, yeah, Kevin speed powered by Verizon. So uh, the fastest skaters were clocked. Okay, and Caden Gooley, you just said it, clocked in at 24.20 miles per hour. Connor McDavid clocked in at 24.16 miles per hour. Uh, Gooley, on another occasion, had clocked in at 24.01 miles per hour, but the 24.20 miles per hour were the fastest he was going. Now, I'm going to take a look at the list the top 10 list and i'm going to go from worst to best okay worst of the top 10 okay or least yeah. fast shouldn't say worst but the least fast of the top 10 okay nathan mckinnon 24 miles per hour caden gooley 24.01 nathan mckinnon again 24.02 jason dickinson 24.08 connor mcdavid 24.16 Andreas Athanasiu, um, 24.18 miles per hour. Caden Gooley, 24.20 miles per hour. Uh, Martin Ferrari, 24.21 miles per hour. Braden Point, 24.26 miles per hour. And the player that clocked the fastest speed in the National Hockey League this year. Gentlemen, did you see this list? Yeah, yeah, it's not a list. 
former Montreal Canadian Ryan Paling. That's <laughs> I'd have to say it's a little bit. I knew he could he can motor, but that's a little bit shocking, guys. Twenty four point three two miles per hour for Ryan Paling, who has not you know. I wouldn't say he, he hasn't materialized into the player that a lot of people thought he would be because a lot of people thought he would be a third or fourth line player. The only people who didn't were the one were the people that after he scored three goals in his first game and then scored a shootout goal, thought he was going to be a star. But even Trevor Timmons, who drafted him, uh, I don't think Trevor Timmons ever thought that Ryan Paling was going to be better than a third line player. No, he was uh, he was always um, going to be that that kind of player. Of course, he, as you said, when he scored three goals on that game, everybody said that's going to change the expectations. We knew it, and it did. So I, I mean, it was clear that his way was out of Montreal at some point because he, he couldn't handle those expectations. It, it's great for him to see that he can skate that fast because he doesn't have a great year. He's not living up to his potential, but good for him if he can lead in, in something because he, he needs to to have that it factor if he wants to stay in the NHL, I think. Matt? I, good news is that the Habs are drafting uh, speedy guys. You got to like that at the very least. They're getting some of the fastest skaters in the NHL yeah, to the draft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, think, I think it's unfortunate, and I agree 100%. That three-goal debut... Um, especially with Bob Cole on the call of all people in his final game, calling a game for Hockey Night in Canada. You score a hat trick, and it's Bob Cole giving you the call. With the, that's the, right, the, it was, was, it was his the final call game. in the end. Was yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. It was yeah. the final game was, of the season on a Saturday night in uh, middle of April, right? Yeah. What kind of what better stage could you possibly ask for to score a hat trick like that? And I, I agree 100 percent. It inflated expectations. People started believing that Ryan Paling was something that he isn't. And it kind of stuck him in this position where he was never, never able to get back to that extreme high that he started yeah. out on. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, he, you know, he's a good player and um, clearly he can move. So uh, I think he'll have a long career in the NHL, just not with the Montreal Canadiens. Matt, in ending here, is there anything that you can tell us about Habs' eyes on the prize? Because I, like many, saw the news a couple of weeks ago uh, that uh, it looked like uh, maybe you can go into a little bit more detail uh, that uh, you know they were going to need some they're going to need some support uh, to be able to keep uh, running uh, the way they've been running. So, what's the story, and why did all this come about, and uh, where are we at right now? The, the why is tough for me to explain because, uh, you know, our numbers have always spoken for themselves. We've always done very well in terms of numbers. Um, Vox Media made the decision uh, essentially what, as far as I me, understand it. There. What, what numbers are we talking about here in terms of uh, numbers? And web, website traffic. Website right? traffic. Okay. We, we always had a lot of traffic. So the reason for them cutting hockey uh, almost entirely was not really because of traffic. It's not just our site either. Um, the the Rangers affiliate site that they had is, is also going. The Flyers site. Um, almost all of them. It seems like they've decided to kind of move away from hockey almost entirely. Um, so it was a disappointing decision, but we decided to rally, come together and try to keep the thing alive. And that's exactly what we're doing. Vox Media has agreed to give us back all of the intellectual property. So we have a GoFundMe up right now to try and cover the startup costs for us to get our own hosting and keep the site going exactly the way that it is uh, moving forward. So starting on April 1st, we are still affiliated with Vox all the way through the end of March. Starting on April 1st, uh, our site might look a little bit different, but it's going to continue exactly the way that it is. How much funding do you think you're going to need in order to stay um, operational for um, X amount of time? Uh, for now, we have a GoFundMe goal of 10000 That should keep us 
alive. I mean, the amount that we already have right now, we're over 8,000 already, I believe. So that should keep us active. No problem through. Um, I mean, the 10,000 would keep us through the end of the year for sure. Um, we will eventually be setting up ad revenue through that as well. So eventually it's going to be self-sustaining. Um, the Really the GoFundMe is to cover the startup costs so that we can get the first, you know, six to eight months out of the way. Uh, and then once we really get going, um, since we're keeping the domain and everything, we know that all of our SEO and everything is going to stay the same. And we're still going to be able to keep doing the same work that we do and generating the same traffic that we already generate. So we're quite confident that the, uh, the site's going to sustain itself very quickly. Um, really, we're just looking for the support to get ourselves started on our own. Good stuff. Keep us posted. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. You were a great guest, and I hope to have you on again in the very near future. All the best to you. Thanks for having me. Shal Alexi Brisbois, the man that every time I reach out to him, he never says no, and this is why Danny Coulis loves him, and this is why BPM Spar loves him too. Merci beaucoup, Shal Alexi. Yeah, thank you very much, Tony. Bonne soirée, mon chum. All right, there you have it. Shal Alexi Brisbois. All right, and Matt Drake of uh, Hab's eyes on the prize. Uh, if you like the podcast tonight, uh, give us a, uh, give us a like, give us a mention, um, share it with your friends, hit the like button, comment sick S I C K. It's our way of feeling the love. Thank you very much. And uh, once again, if you're a fan of, uh, of soccer and of CF Montreal, well, now there's also a CF Montreal podcast. Okay. So there's this one here talking Montreal Canadians hockey Monday to Friday, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. And there's another one on a totally separate YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to, which is uh, the sick podcast, CF Montreal Talk. We have two different Twitter handles as well for this one here, which is hockey. It's at the sick podcast. And our other one, which is CF Montreal Talk, it's at sick pod CFMTL. If you can follow us on Twitter, if you can follow us on our Facebook uh, group page, if you can follow us on our YouTube channels and subscribe to all the ones that we have, it's absolutely free. We very much appreciate it. If you listen on Spotify, Google, uh, or Apple, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. It's an off night for the Montreal Canadiens, but tonight, the Montreal, tomorrow night, the Montreal Canadiens are in action. And they'll be in action, of course, visiting... Nicolas Delaurier and the Philadelphia Flyers. I think the question should be asked, right? Uh, watching Nicolas Delaurier now, uh, do you think he'd still have his spot with the Montreal Canadiens? And uh, you, I guess you'd have to say yes. Heart and soul guy who defends his teammates, maybe going forward. He's 32 years old right now. Maybe going forward, he wouldn't have fit into Marty St. Louis' system or concepts or you know when the Canadiens would be a very competitive team. He probably wouldn't be on it, but for the time being, you'd have to say yes. But maybe I'm saying that because I really like him, or maybe I'm saying that because he was born uh, right here in La Salle, Quebec. Beautiful Ville La Salle, where I live mountainside, but some others live oceanside. Tell your friends about it, the sick podcast. Say the podcast is pretty sick, and so is that guy. I'm going to say, which guy? <laughs> And you're going to say, you know, the guy, the guy who always says. I'm Marinaro. Have a good night. Habs at Flyers tomorrow night. The sick podcast will be back at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. Same time, same place. Have a great night. Ciao. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time.
Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.